Great stuff. What's up, Peter? Good morning, everybody. What a great sharing of communion. You know, it's, you know it's, it's been a while since I've seen a standing ovation after a communion sharing. And that one was, uh, was pretty amazing. Now, I want to remind you of a couple things. Not only is today March 27th, today's uh, actually uh, Erica Gold's birthday, by the way. <laughs> Tomorrow is Conchina's, or maybe the day after. They had a little controversy there on her birth, but it's in a few days. Um, Sam Hollis, as you know, was, uh, was baptized yesterday. He's a, a college student at a Moore Park College. He was invited to a Bible discussion. He came, he saw, he got baptized. In case you're wondering, I'm the shorter, chubby guy. I don't want to confuse the church or anything. And our uh, young campus in, uh, in Singles is growing. We baptized Josh uh, last fall, Sam. Now Amanda's here. She's in the Bible, too. She's from Moore Park College. Uh, we included Danny in there because she goes to Moore Park High School at Moore Park College. So, you know, we pull her in. That's what disciples do. I want to remind you, too, for in the next few months, we're going to be having our special missions contribution in June. Please don't forget about the great brothers and sisters in Norway, Sweden, Finland, uh, Denmark, and all the Baltic countries, former Soviet Union, who are really fighting for their faith and making disciples. Here is a baptism that happened last month in Bergen, Norway. Joseph Nielen and uh, Fritoff are baptizing uh, a Norwegian guy there. Uh, he's truly a Viking, obviously. Uh, he's a descendant of Eric the Red. Um, and that is some frigid cold water. That is freezing water. As you know my conviction, the colder the water, the longer they're Christians. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, you're going to be cursing a long time because that pool was cold yesterday. You know, our, our topic is about never quitting, persevering. And if you're like me, you've been a Christian a while, you're starting instead of the Bible or, or you're in the middle of you know, your, your Christian life and you just got baptized last year or, or wherever you're at, there's a temptation to stop going. There's a, there's a real temptation to quit. I remember I, I grew up pretty much in the church at 22, got married to a, a Christian sister named Karen Chavez, and it was, I thought, this is it, I, I've, this is, it's gonna, it's all gravy from here. And then as I saw my, in my marriage, I was just so frustrated, so, feeling so disappointed. Like, what happened to me? Like, I used to be spiritual. I used to be humble. And you almost start questioning, going, this is not the way it's supposed to go. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And I was frustrated. But humility wins the day. It does, Dean. It's very true. Being humble wins the day. But never giving up wins the day. See, when you start something spiritual, there are forces at work that want to stop you from that decision. When we sat down with Manny, it was not a pretty conversation. We were talking to a stone-cold, you know, ruthless guy. He thought he was, he was tame here. just saw that meeting we had. It was rough. I was like, this guy's not going to, Steve's left to go, this guy's not going to make it. Either he changes or it's over. And it was a, it was a, but it was his call. We had to present to him, hey, we're worried about you. 
And you may be coming to church for a while, and you may be related to Manny, because I think all of us can relate to that story. We get numb real fast. Here's a quote by Winston Churchill, one of the greatest prime ministers of Europe during the World War II era. If you're going through hell, keep going. You don't quit. He said that when London was being bombed by the uh, SS Waffen, was bombing the city to the Stone Age. And he got up and told the Englishmen, English people, yeah, you're going through hell? Well, we're going to keep going. We're not quitting. You know, Thomas Jefferson said this, when you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. A lot of times you need, you need an anchor point spiritually. You know, and... Uh, there's this uh, famous, you know, 20th century writer, Albert Camus. He wrote, in the midst of winter, I finally learned that there was in me an invincible summer. You know, you have got to have in your heart, I ain't going anywhere. Yes. You know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard, but I'm not going anywhere. And that's what's helped me over the years. Through my struggles in my marriage, struggles in my parenting, struggles in life. Struggles with the church. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing it. I'm not quitting on anybody. And when, if you've ever done the cross study with us, and you see the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to go through, he didn't quit on you. So there's no way I'm quitting on Jesus. Because that sacrifice was the ultimate. And Jesus begins his ministry. If you look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 4, turn there with me. Jesus begins his ministry, and he goes on to teach with, with authority. He's... Right off the bat, he comes off this um, fasting for 40 days. He's tempted by the devil. And he goes back to his hometown. And he attends the local synagogue, the local church right there. And people have heard about his miraculous things he was doing. And the hometown did not realize that the Messiah was living amongst them the whole time. And so they hear about Jesus. They, they hear about these miracles. And they come back, and you think they'd be so grateful to know that Jesus is doing, they're hearing about these miracles, is coming back to their hometown. And you'd think they'd be fired up. So here's the scene. He enters the synagogue. And that's where the, the Torah is opened up, and they read it out loud. And usually the, the protocol is that the synagogue ruler he asked one of the, either a teacher or a rabbi or a visiting teacher to come in and speak. And since Jesus was already speaking in, syn in synagogues before this, they asked him to speak. And so he gets up. And uh, it's interesting because just prior to this, he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and was victorious. You ever have a bad month? Being tempted? Jesus had that. Being tempted all day. And the Bible says in Luke 14, verse 13, it says, When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And an opportune time was now. You know, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to be convinced of this. You are too legit to quit. It's an old MC Hammer song that if, if, if guys are truly honest, they love MC Hammer. If you're truly honest, in the back of your closet, you have the pants still. I don't care what nationality you are. You, you beg for MC Hammer pants. You found yourself in front of the mirror by yourself wanting to do the things he did. 
But he makes a great point in this title of this song that was very popular. And it enters our, 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 our psyche. Jesus understood this. He was too legitimate to quit. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. You are a disciple. You are studying to be a disciple. And the temptation is to quit and stop what you're doing. But you got, if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to be too legit to quit. So here's the opportune time. Here's the scene. He comes in. He, he begins to read the scroll. Look in verse 14 of Luke. We'll read together. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and then sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He, he began by saying to them, Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Too legit. Too legit to quit. He threw down the gauntlet. What he was saying was this. In Isaiah 61, the context of that scripture, and the Jewish rabbis understood this, that that was referring to the future Messiah. Because in the Old Testament, they had this, what's called this year of jubilee. And God would re reset the economy. And he would set the slaves free. He would, if you own, if you own property, it was given back to you. I mean, it, it, it was a reordering of things. And Jesus was declaring that his ministry will free the slaves from darkness. Debts will be canceled. As in the Old Testament, your debt of sin will be canceled. And he's saying it as if he is the one that's going to do it. Wow, the hometown Messiah comes back, and they're blown away. Look at this, this word here. They were fastened on him. If I can get some help here in the back. Next slide. Look at this word, Aten, uh, atenizo. It's the, it's the word that, you know, when you look at something amazing, you're like, and you lean in, and you look. You know, watching your favorite show and it's the most important moment of the show, you're like, that's intense. It's what they did when Jesus rolled up the scroll and he walked by. I don't, I'm not sure if he went like this. But, but everyone was like, whoa. That kind of fastened, that kind of luck, that's intense. Wow. They leaned forward, this guy didn't we, didn't we know this guy? See, Jesus was convinced by the scriptures. He was legit. You know, when you become a real Christian, not the fluffy one, but the real one, the one, you know, Manny talked about that, and you go to church, no one bothers you. This ain't the place. We're going to bug you a little bit. We're going to try to get into your life a little bit, because that's what God wants of us. See, when you become a real Christian, you know you're legit. 
When you're out there inviting people and sharing your faith, you know you're legit because there, there ain't a lot of people doing that. You know, when Sam was invited to, 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 to Bible talk, you know, he saw something different. He's like, because he was reading his Bible. He was attending church. But he says, you guys are different. There was a difference when you're legitimate. And it just fuels your fire. See, you got to be convinced of something. And I hope you're convinced of this if you're a real Christian. You're too legit to quit. You're too legit. One of the things that helped me stay faithful for 17 years is that I'm the, probably the only connection point to my family becoming Christians. And so that's helped me over the years. You know, my brothers are attending church in Orange County every Sunday now. I, I don't know why, how that happened. I prayed and it happened and it was awesome. But I'm like, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a Christian, but hey, it's a first good step. And I'm glad I didn't quit because I was tempted to quit when I was sinning. That's when I'm tempted to quit the most, when I'm sinning. When I'm being judgmental, when I'm being critical, when I'm getting all into myself, that's when I feel like quitting. That when I focus on me and my problems, I want to quit then. That's a temptation for me. But when I see God and I see Jesus, then I go, oh, I'm too legit to quit. I can't, I can't do that. I'm not going out like that. See, when you're too legit to quit, friends don't keep you down. See, Jesus went back to his hometown. Look at the reaction. Look at verse 22. Look at this reaction. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. What a declaration that Jesus made. But the problem was they didn't believe him. You know when you, you get suspicious of someone, you know what you first do? They, they, back then they were like, isn't this Joseph's son? Let me Google him. <laughs> if I recall correctly, there was something shady going on back when Mary was pregnant. She just got pregnant and she wasn't even married. Isn't this that guy who immaculately got pregnant? The doubt started to creep in. In Mark chapter 6, they have a parallel passage that gives you a little more insight. And look at this. Look what they questioned him on this. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's boy? Because it certainly wasn't Joseph's boy. Joseph had nothing to do with that pregnancy. And the doubts start coming in. You know, sometimes when you make spiritual decisions, some of your closest friends going, you can't do this. You're not really changing. You know, I'd come home, my, after being a Christian, I'd come home and bring some of the campus disciples over to my house. Say, Mom, this is my friends. Come on, let's have some lunch together. And we have lunch with my mom. She's like, yeah, Gio's not changing. I'm like, I, I, I am. I, swear, I, I am. I'm changing. She's just, she's just saying that. You don't know the really just, you know. My mom would say some of the hardest things to my Bible talk leader, my campus leader. Because my mom saw every nook and cranny of my sinful nature. And sometimes when you go to your own, people that know you the best, they're going, oh, you still have that character trait that I've been, I've, it's been bugging me for years. It's still there. And so the doubts creep in. You start doubting yourself. And Jesus says only in, in his hometown, among his relatives, and in their homes, are prophets without honor. 
And he didn't do any miracles except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Just a few. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. And these are the people that knew him. You know, one of the things that Jesus says to his people that accuse him, he says, if I've committed a sin, what was it? And no one could come up. No one could answer that question. You know, they question him. They question his heritage. How can you be from God? No one gets pregnant on their own. But they didn't understand God's plan. You know, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus' mom, you got to love mothers. You got to love mama. You know, they, they see Jesus doing his thing. He was legit. He's he fired up. And his mother comes by and says, hey, hey, your mother and your brothers are outside. And uh, they want you to come out there because they're looking for you. And he says, who are my mother and my brothers? Those who do the will of God are my mother and my brothers. Wow. Whoever does God's will is my mother. And I, you see that he, how legit he is? That no matter who tries to get him down, he ain't going anywhere. Jesus is not quitting because his mother says, come home for dinner. Must have stopped that craziness. Pastor says, another pastor says that they went to take charge of him because he was out of his mind. You know, when you begin to change radically, people start thinking you're drinking something funny. They start going, what's the matter with you? It's not normal. And Jesus was, was, was very radical about his convictions. And here's the beauty of it. His mom didn't believe then, but she believed later. She became a disciple. His brothers who were there, they didn't believe then. But two of his brothers wrote epistles in the Bibles. They became believers after the fact. Pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. See, when you're too legit to quit, your friends can't keep you down. Nothing can keep you down. You know, imagine when he says, Mom, I'm legit. I'm too legit to quit. Not going to do it. I don't care who it is. You know, my brother saw me struggle with my Christianity early on. And there was a day that I, I, me and my mom got in this big fight, and I said, that's it. I can't be a Christian. And I said, I can't, I can't be. If I can't be a Christian at home, I can't be a Christian anywhere. You know, you get, you get all crazy. You're like, ah, it's over. <laughs> I just was, I, so I'm done. Stick a fork in me. My mom had drove, she pushed me. You know, mom, you know moms, they know how to push all the buttons. I'm like, gah. I got so angry, I tried to lift the toilet off, off its, off its, I tried, I tried to lift it to break it, but I, just, I, I realized it wasn't strong, and I was like, Gah! it's bolted down. <laughs> and uh, my brother Carlos comes in the room, and I said, I said, I said, I quit. I've had it. I can't do this anymore. I was just talking like a crazy man. And, and it was remarkable. I don't know what it was, but God had intervened, and he, and he looked at me. He goes, no, you can't quit. You've come too far. And I don't think he realized that impact it had on my heart. This is the same brother that's going to church now. Because you can't quit. You can't quit. And I didn't, I was like, and I was like, he's right. What do I think? I can't quit. I can't quit. And those words just brought me a lot of comfort. And I, he, you know, he, he wasn't a Christian. He had no intentions of being a Christian. But he said something that was very powerful. I can't quit. I was reminded of something that I, that I told myself I would never do. I would never quit on God. I quit before on a lot of things. But this is something I never wanted to quit on. 
And it was important for me. You know, Jesus was too legit to quit because he knew the word. See, if you're going to have this hardness attitude, you have to know the word of God. Yeah. And look in verse 23. Look at, look at how, how he responds to the criticism, to the negativity that's entering his atmosphere. Look what he says. Jesus said to them, surely you're going to quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we heard that you did in Capernaum. You know, they liked his gracious words. They liked Jesus when he was saying nice things. But it's all nice until you ask the challenging questions, is it not? Is it, it's all nice until someone asks you, hey, what are you lacking in your, in your life in repentance? It's all a nice sermon until someone sits you down and says, hey, man, how you, how, how's your marriage? Hey, bro, can I make an observation? That's when it really hits. That's when it really, you know, where you're at. And so they liked his words, but they try to make Jesus illegitimate by saying, yeah, you're Mary's boy. You certainly ain't Joseph's son. And sensing the opposition... Jesus gives him two examples in the Old Testament on God, how God worked a miracle when the people of Israel sat there in unbelief. And the first one is this in verse 24. He says, truly I tell you, prophets are not accepted in their hometowns. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. And when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, that's the Gentile country. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, and yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. He makes two notes of two instances where God's prophets were not accepted. They are rejected. You are not God's man. Stop saying that. And God sends them to Gentiles who believed. The first one was Elijah, and there was a widow who had her last bits of flour to make bread for her and her son. You can find that in 1 Kings chapter 17, and that's all she had, and the prophet comes to her, he's in the fields, hey, can you make me some bread and bring me some water, please? She's like, but I only have a little bit left for me and my son, and that's all we got. We're going to die soon. There's a famine. We're starving, but because you say so, I'm going to make it. And she makes the bread, and the prophet says, because you've had faith, you will not run out of flour. You will make it all the way to the famine ends. And she makes it. And the flour did not end. Elijah came home for breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast the next day. It was good. And Jesus is going, look how you treated Elijah. He was your hometown prophet. And you didn't believe him. Here am I. And you don't believe me. And then he says, Naaman the Syrian. That guy was a military commander. He used to kill the Israelites in battle. And he captured an Israelite slave. And he had leprosy. She's like, oh, if you go to Elisha, he would heal you. He goes, I'll go. And he goes to Elisha. Hey, heal me. And, he, and Elisha goes, hey, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan. He doesn't even come out of the door. Go dip yourself seven times. In other words, go get baptized. The leprosy will fall off. He's all offended. He wanted razzle-dazzle. He wanted magical stuff. He wanted a wand. He wanted all the, all the hoopla. He said, just go, just go, to the, just go to the river. 
and he wants to quit. He goes, oh, man, that guy blew me off. I don't like, the, I don't like the, what he said. But the, the, the girl's like, you just do it. I mean, just, I mean, just do it. I mean, if you do it, just do it. And the guy goes, okay, I'll do it. And he goes into the Jordan River, the dirtiest river at the time, and he dips himself seven times, and his skin is like that of a baby. He cites two examples. When the people of Israel rejected their own prophet, here are two Gentiles who believed, and miraculous things were done. He comes to his hometown, and the first thing they want to see, show me some razzle-dazzle. Then I'll believe you. No. You ain't getting razzle-dazzle. You know, a lot of times we, we approach the ministry like, you all should change. You guys need to change. Oh, yeah, that guy needs to change over there. For sure. Saw him in the back, struggling. Physician, heal thyself. Versus, where am I at? Who am I? The Bible says, who are you to judge someone else's servant. He says that in humility because if you don't have self-reflection, you can't really see clearly. It's foggy. You see it through a distorted lens. That's like someone who doesn't come to church saying, y'all are unspiritual. You're like, what? I may be struggling, but I'm here. Right? It's hard to hear from someone who's like, you know, when man's like, six months ago, if he would have come in and says, hey man, the church needs to change. Like, yeah. Hey man, first going to process, I'm, I'm, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's not you going, whoa, that was a crazy statement. Because <laughs> that is kind of crazy. And so humility is what wins the day. Yeah. And the people here weren't humble to Jesus. So no miraculous signs were done. He did just a few. And it's amazing how they didn't trust him or believe him. You know, Jesus was not tempted to be written off as a crazy person. And look what happens. They don't, just, they don't just disagree with Jesus. They try to throw Jesus off a cliff. Look in verse 28. They get angry with Jesus. They're not just, you know, upset. Like, I don't, I don't agree with you theologically. Look what, they, look what happened here in verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Citing two examples of Gentile believers and the Israelites would not believe. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Man! Can you imagine that scene? You know, they're all waving their arms, the crowd's just fun, and Jesus is kind of backing up. Yeah, okay, that's cool, that's cool. He's still going like this. He's still, he's still doing this. And they bring him to a brow of this cliff. And they want to throw him off the cliff. They can't take it. They can't take it. You know, when you start sharing your faith, wherever you go, people can't take it. You know, I took Danny Augustinelli to campus, and we're sharing our faith there together. And went to this girl, said, I'm going to it's your turn to share. You share with her. Give her some practice. And this girl gave her the stink eye, like, Hi. She didn't even respond. She was like this. I just want to invite you to a Bible discussion I'm going to have in 15. And Dan was just trying. And she, you can tell Dan was like, she's like, she was all shaky. She's getting shaken up going, that woman is so angry. And I got in there, hey, what's your name? 
try to work my little razzle-dazzle in my little geoism. Hey, how's it going? Okay, she's not open. Let's go on. <laughs> and I had to talk and say, Danny, how are you feeling? She's like, she made me feel like so small. I said, Danny, she just, you know, that's going to happen. People are sometimes just not open to the word of God. Man, I mean, she looked right through us both. I was a little intimidated. I was going, I was going, she's starting to scare me a little bit. I was like, I don't, I don't usually get frightened by that. I was like, whoa, she kind of shook me. I was like, I don't want to tell Danny that because, you know, I'm her leader. <laughs> Supposed to be her brave leader. <laughs> Greg, don't tell her. But look in verse 30. One of my favorite verses of the Bible. Here's the cliff. There's the cloud, crowd. There is death at his doorstep. And in verse 30, look what he, look what he does. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Too legit to quit. You know, sometimes people are going to push you to your breaking point. Your wife can push you. Your husband can push you to the point of, I'm just going to not go to church. Just start talking crazy. Just to shake up the household. You know how you do that sometimes? You just say the craziest things. This is just for, just for shock, and, shock and awe. I know you do because I do. Come on now. We all say something crazy. And here is Jesus. He gets pushed to the edge. And when you get pushed to the edge, that's when you make your stand. Because you're going to get pushed to the edge not only now but later. And you get pushed to the edge, the edge of your marriage, the edge of your wits, the edge of your finances. I mean, it's all there. Crisis, it's there. You feel bankrupt emotionally, spiritually, it's there. It's the edge of the brow. But that's when you say, hey, I feel like I'm going through hell. Keep going. You don't quit. You don't stop. That's when you tie a knot in your rope and hang on. Yeah. That's when you realize, hey, it's a cold winter, but that, you know, there's a summer in me. I'm like the sun. When the sun comes out, the cold goes away. You know, they tried to kill Jesus, but he was legit. Satan's going to try to kill you spiritually. I know you're legit. Just live that way. If you're going to walk against the grain, I mean, you're walking against the grain. You have to think in your mind and have in your heart that I am a legitimate son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I was baptized. I repented of my sins. You know what? I, I, I may be sinning, but I can change the way I live my life. And that's an awesome feeling. I can't tell you how awesome that feels when I'm on the brow of the hill and I decide to change and decide to make a change of my life. My wife is always grateful when I change because she tries to change me and it doesn't work. But when I change for God, it always works. I try to change her and I get frustrated. Then she changes for God, then I'm very happy. And that's how it should be. We change for the Lord. We walk against the grain 
You're going to have to be too legit to quit. God bless you. Love you.